coming at you live here from New York City. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. This is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And guess what? It's Friday. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday, I'm in love. And we are kicking off the weekend with new WWE Hall of Famers, the fabulous Freebirds, inducted last weekend in their hometown of Dallas, Texas, the place where they made their name. Only fitting that the two surviving Freebirds, Michael PSAs, that stands for Purely Sexy, and of course, Jimmy Jam Garvin, although you hear why they call him Gimme Jimmy. <laughs> they are going to be here on Talk is Jericho to tell some great stories about their late great partners, Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Buddy Jack Roberts. The Freebirds feud with the Von Erichs in the Dallas Territory is a stuff of legends, uh, people still talk about it to this day. We'll talk all about that. And the Freebirds was also one of the first acts to use ring entrance music. You hear how Hayes uh, decided upon the Leonard Skinner classic for that tune. How they became a three-man tag team and why their WWE was, uh, run was so short-lived. Very short-lived for both guys. And then wait to hear the ribs that Buddy pulled on the rest of the guys. Uh, let's just say, um, well, there's some golden showers involved. And what happened when Terry Gordy took up flying airplanes? That's right, airplanes. So much stuff. Uh, seriously funny stories from some of the two of the two of the pioneers uh, in the wrestling business and uh, Hall of Famers as well. And you know you get to laugh so hard uh, during this show, and it's free, which makes it even better. And one of the big reasons is because uh, of the sponsors of Talk is Jericho, including Diamond Dallas Page, DDP Yoga, and the DDP Yoga Now app. Thanks for supporting the sponsors and keeping this podcast free to download twice a week. And thanks to DDP for creating his amazing workout program. You all know my DDP Yoga story. Uh, you know Dallas's story. You heard AJ Styles on this podcast not too long ago talking about well, how DDP Yoga uh, helped his career. And I'm in the best shape of my life right now, specifically because of DDP Yoga. And if you want to join me and get on the path to healthier living, DDP Yoga can get you there. And right now, Dallas has given you guys this amazing program for the best price. You just got to go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And if you buy the program, you'll also get three free months of this incredible new app, DDP Yoga Now. Okay, This app is, is perfect. I don't have to carry on the DVDs anymore. I do all the workouts from this app live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Tons of nutrition tips, inspirational stories, videos. Uh, you can even access cooking shows so you can see how healthier meals will influence your physical fitness. Look at Diamond Dallas Page, 60 years old in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania. That says it all right there. Uh, the DDP Yoga Now app is available at iTunes and the Google Play Store. And when you go download it, you'll see all the amazing reviews it's getting. Give it a great review if you do download it. DDP knows how busy you are, how crazy your life is, but now you don't have to sacrifice your workout or your health because you're too busy. Thanks to the DDP Yoga Now app, you can do the program whenever you want, wherever you are. I do it in my hotel room on the tour bus with Metal Allegiance. I did it yesterday. It's convenient and it works. Take advantage of the special offer DDP has given you guys. Order at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app. Get started today at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and get in the best shape of your life. Talk is Jericho. <laughs> All right, so every year there's the WWE Hall of Fame, and there's sometimes, and I don't have to mention names, for me, certain people that go in that I'm like, well, okay, and there's other ones that go in where I say this is deserved. Fabulous Freebirds finally going in. I got Michael Hayes and, and Jimmy Garvin here. Uh, how big of a deal is it? Now, Mike, you work for the, for, for the company and have for, for so many years, but how big of a deal is it to go into the Hall of Fame for you? Well, I think it's, I think it's a bigger deal than uh, I was anticipating it to be. And I'll tell you why. 
you know, for a long time I wanted to go in years ago because I didn't want to go in alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then Terry passed away. And then, you know, then Buddy passed away. And it was like, wow. Uh, but when we didn't go in in Atlanta, I kind of tapped out on the whole process. I was like, okay, all right, I get it. The Road Warriors so deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay? But they're not from Atlanta. Okay? <laughs> and I'm sure if we ever have WrestleMania in Minneapolis, you're not going to put the Freebirds in in Minneapolis. <laughs> so who who came up with this idea? You know, but at least Sonny went in. Um, so... <laughs> yeah, at, least, at least they got that one right. Um, no. <laughs> she was really good. Um, but seriously... Um, you know, I, I had tapped out because it just it, that year it broke my heart, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know that all those feelings start coming up again because it's Dallas. And in hindsight, I would have to say that it was God sent that is Dallas. It's right. It mm-hmm. just feels so right. This is where we, you know, we were fortunate enough to have a lot of good runs, but none like here, and it feels good. Now, now Jimmy, were you? I'm not going to say surprised. Were you happy to be included in this? I mean, obviously you're a free bird, but the original three, like you mentioned, Terry and Buddy and, and P.S. Right, right. Well, you know, honestly, I'm just uh, happy to be alive. <laughs> Much less be inducted into the Hall you're of Fame. just to be anywhere. I'm just happy to be anywhere, you know, bald or hair or, or anything. It don't really matter. Um, I was excited when uh, Michael mentioned it and um, – and you know, as far as the Freebird thing, I mean, this—I don't know how many times we're going to have to say this, but I mean, I was a Freebird a long time ago. Yeah, Jimmy was always the unofficial fourth Freebird when he was gorgeous. Jimmy Garvin here, um, and him and Sunshine started kicking it. Um, we got our first apartment ever together, the three of us. Him and Sunshine had an apartment across the street. They never went there. No, we lived mm. at the Bird's yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, we lived at the Bird's house for yeah. sure. But, you know, but but I am excited. Uh, it's, it is new for me because I haven't been or never was really with the WWE. Right. Your whole career was WWA <clears throat> and WCW and all the Southern yeah, territories. Yeah, AWA right? or, you know, you know, anywhere but, they, but here, you know. Yeah. But um, I, I consider it an honor and a privilege and, 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 and you know, you know, I'll, and, and again, you know, I, I just, I, I was always a free bird. I was just busy doing the gorgeous Jimmy Garvin mm-hmm. thing that you don't hear a whole lot about. But, you know, Chris Adams and Sunshine and Precious, um, that feud was, was, was a classic. Was a classic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think if you go back to that, you know, when Jimmy brought Val, when he brought Sunshine in, there, there hadn't been a female valet in I don't know how many years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then when they put Precious's wife on top of it and Sunshine went with Chris, I mean, you go back to that first Texas Stadium in 84, those girls were after each other. and getting yeah, Those it. were shoots. Yeah. That was, that was like the first match I had with JBL at the Sportatorium. That was like a shoot. <laughs> by, by the way, I just thought I'd mention it. Speak, I every, speaking of shoots. Every match with JBL was like a shoot. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Just let me say that. I, be, I believe but that. But, you know, it's funny. When you came in here, this is the first time we've ever met face to face. But when I was a kid, I grew up in Winnipeg, and I used to go to the to the matches every month and you had precious it was, it was gorgeous jimmy garvin and, and your valet wife i assume yes, girlfriend, every, was yes 47 years precious okay it was and yeah. so here's the best story so i'm with my dad and i was going every month and then the people will always chant show your tits 
And the first time I ever went, there was this big, show your tits, show your tits. And I was thinking, my dad is going to be so mad at these guys for yelling this stuff because you can't say that. You know, it's a 12, 10-year-old kid. And I was like, he's going to flip. He's going to flip out. And he's like, show your tits. So I look at him. He looks at me. He goes, son, welcome to the world of wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the one place. So I started, show your tits. The one place you could get away with talking like that was at wrestling. With your dad. With my dad, yeah. And now when you say, show your tits, they do. (laughs) Boy, how times change. Well, they're good sports. I mean, come on. (laughs) But, P.S., you mentioned that, that, or Jim, you said you hadn't worked in the WWE. Did the Freebirds ever work in the WWE? Uh, We kind of, like, blitzed on through here real quick. Uh, Like a week. Yeah. (laughs) About as long as I did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we came from uh, Texas Stadium, and, you know, we didn't think our stuff stank. Now, the uh, Texas Stadium, just to keep referencing it, it's one of the most famous shows of all time, which was because you were like the ultimate heels for the Von Erichs who were the ultimate baby faces in Dallas. Right. Correct. And, and David had just passed away that February, mm-hmm. which, which contributed a lot to the whole publicity about it. And, and that was the first time that the two girls had, had gotten had together. Got, I mean, the card, the card was stacked. So you were there, too, yeah. with the, with the and, girls that we just talked about. And Fritz came yeah. out of retirement. Right. And that... That was bolstered, you know, and he was he was very nervous. And even when he came out, he wanted to renege on it. And I said, I said, why? And he goes, I don't even know if I can get upstairs with my knees. And mm-hmm. I was like, dude, all you got to do is get in the ring. We got it from there. Mm-hmm. Just don't worry about it. But I mean, uh, yeah, that was that was the first one, and I would venture to say it was the best one. Hey, I'll give you some numbers. I was thinking about them today. Okay, fifty-five, thirty-seven. And 32. And those aren't the measurements of the girl I saw you with last night. (laughs) Uh, 55 years ago, Joe Scarpa, a.k.a. Chief J. Strongbow, threw me in the ring at 106 North Albany at the Tampa Sportatorium as an amateur when I was nine years old. Was that against Mike Graham? I beat him after that. Oh, okay. He threw right. you in the ring as a kid? Yeah, because Eddie Graham had a, had a program. He would tape on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was Don Curtis, Joe Scarpa, um, the, the Japanese guy, uh, Hiro Matsuda. Hiro Matsuda yeah. I mean, those type of guys. And then after they would tape, he had a youth program that, that he developed where younger kids like myself could go and learn the AAU style and actually was a team sponsored by Eddie Graham. And we traveled the AAU circuit as far as in Florida. But that was 55 years ago okay. uh, that Joe Scarpa threw me in the ring. I smelled the canvas, canvas smelled the ropes and said, this is, this feels like <laughs> home. 37, n- the number 37 was when you and I met at Tommy Rich's birthday party. And with- his mother and his wife and his five-year-old daughter had to drag him <laughs> to his pickup truck to take him home. Well, well, if you're going to go that far, you might as well say that on the way home, I fell out of the truck. <laughs> While it was moving, <laughs> yeah. they, they, the miles they, per hour that they the slowed down <laughs> and backed up and picked me up. But I mean, obviously, I made it. No, thirty-two must have been the glasses of moonshine you had at Tommy's party. <laughs> we did have a lot of moonshine. Actually, it was thirty-two years ago. Was the feud between the Von Erichs and the Freebirds and gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and Chris, uh, Chris Adams was thirty-two years ago. Wow, uh, in May. Wow. 1984? 84. Yeah. 30, 32 years ago. And I was in, in my room and I was sitting, I was thinking about these numbers and I was thinking 55. You know, 55 years ago, and, just, and like I told Michael before, I don't like to 
talk about myself because somebody else can do that. But mm-hmm. 55 years ago, in 55 years, Coach John Heath was, was helped us. Uh, Carl Gotch, who was the big shooter at the mm-hmm. time, was, was trained us a little bit. I got to wrestle uh, uh, Luthez, wow. uh, Buddy Rogers. Uh, managed me and I wrestled him in West Palm Beach. Uh, Pat O'Connor, um, uh, Danny Hodge, it's all and I start thinking, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, no wonder I'm no wonder I'm bald and glad to be alive, you know? <laughs> because a that's time. a long time. And, and <laughs> those names, you know, like Danny Hodge or Pat O'Connor or Harley Race. Mm-hmm. You know, I did my first one-hour Broadway with Harley Race at the uh, Lopez Field in Tampa, Florida. You know, years and Absolutely. years ago. So, yeah. Let's talk a little bit too about you mentioned with you and Adams and then the Three Birds of Unairs. Let's talk about about the Texas uh, territory and how hot it was because this stadium show you mentioned we're going to break the record. How many people were at that show? I would say fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. This is yeah. nineteen eighty four pre expansion of the WWE. It's basically a local territory yep. where the Von Erics were. Rock stars, gods. Oh, they, they were huge. I mean, you know, I've been blessed to work with a lot of baby faces that were, you know, Tommy Rich, Junkyard Dog, that were really, really over. They were huge, and but you, you but know, the and Von Erichs is just. You got to think back prior to uh, our arrival in '83, '84 era. They were huge, but they did, but. They had no rival. They had the gas. Mm-hmm. They had a can of gas, but they didn't have a match. <laughs> so we, we, I guess, we were the match. You know? Well, to have a good hero, you have to have a good villain, right? But yeah. you, you know what was cool is Ken Mantell was the Booker then, and he was really good because to put up with all the personalities, I mean, the boys, the birds, and everybody—it's always bugging him about something. He would balance that out and get everybody in the ring, and everybody drew money, but. Um, he really had a lineup up and down. I mean, he was you know, ahead of his time. As he well. was man. When he brought in Iceman King Parsons, Iceman lit this place up, and he'd light you up with chops too, brother. I mean, <laughs> that brother could chop. We also had, you know, when you talk about Chris, we also had the uh, like Kabuki was Kabuki here. Kabuki was here with Gary Hart. God bless Gary Hart. He brought us in first. Okay. Um, and he brought us in. We did that big switch on Christmas night when I was the ref with Carrie and Flair, and Terry was at the door. And we wake up next morning. There's like eight of us in our hotel room with these Georgia Cowboys that moved out to here to do rodeo, <laughs> and we're just ha- happy as hell. We knew we did something right the night before. We knew we had tons of heat. And Gary Hart calls me up and says, "Well, Michael, I wish you good luck because I've quit." Which like, is the worst. I was like, what? He goes, I quit. I, you would not believe the check he gave me. I told him he could stick it up his ass. And I go, well, I guess we'll quit too. And he goes, no, no, you should go talk to him. You guys will do quite well here. And we did talk to him. And we did do really well. But part of that was the balance. I mean, because I don't care if you're the act. There's going to be some people that are tired of your act. So they dig something else. It's like the people that weren't are down with the Freebirds and Von Erics. They dug the gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and Sunshine and Chris Adams angle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we had the Fantastics in here for a little bit of time. Tommy Rogers, great, great yeah. performer. Yeah. yeah, God bless him. I think. Yeah, he just passed away yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, one of the most underrated guys I think from that era. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, good friend of mine. We went to Africa together. And oh yeah, room together and had a good time. Yeah. Well, it was a little bit more of a Wild West mentality back then, too. You mentioned all the personalities. I mean, it was the 80s. Rock and roll guys were crazier, and wrestling guys were crazier. Well, it, you it know. wasn't just say no. It was just say yes. <laughs> yeah. Right or wrong. It, it, it and was. it didn't even cost any money. No. <laughs> yeah, people just would want to hang <laughs> with you. You're so popular. Go, go yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. I mean, it'd be like going on your, be on your way to church, and they'd go, "Here, uh, you want to uh, hear? You hear this noise?" <laughs> well, okay. In the collection plate, I guess so. I no, mean, from the priest in confession. <laughs> I mean, here, take some of this to so make yeah, it feel better. I mean, yeah, it was. It, it was incredible. It was. Inc- Here's your it penance. Was, it was incredible. I mean, we talk about the apartment, um, and you got to tell the story, Michael, because you tell it best. I think. Um, when we came back from uh, the show at the Sportatorium, the great Sportatorium here in Dallas, and we couldn't find the key. It was our first night there. It was the first time me and Terry and Buddy all had our own place. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 you know, Except we stayed with you, too. Yeah, another sellout. <laughs> so we, we stopped and we got the Rituals, which is a half gallon of Jack Each. and a 16-ounce Coke. And there'd be some left. This Coca-Cola you're talking about. Well, yeah. when you talk about Jack and Coke. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Freebirds in the 80s. So, yeah, that's right? Yeah. A 16 ounce thing of Coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that came later. <laughs> so, you got, you got the big bottle of Jack and the Coke. Jack. And we, the little... We're all excited. And we just we had gone out and rented our own furniture. We'd never done this before. Separately, like Terry and I lived together before, mm-hmm. Terry and Buddy had, but not the three of us. And we get to the door, and everybody, the, the old thing, you know, you look at each other, you got the key. No, I ain't got the key. No, you got the key. And, you know, and now I'm getting on Buddy, because that's what you always did. You'd get on Buddy. <laughs> buddy, gosh dang it, where is the key? <laughs> Terry goes, I got the key. Wham! He kicks the door right off the hinges. Now, we got thousands of dollars of outfits in there, right? So now the party starts, and everybody's, you know, having a good time, drinking the Jack Daniels. Out of nowhere, Terry just picks up the dining room table by the two front legs and hurls it, and it skims off the roof in the living room and goes right through the sliding glass doors. <laughs> and everybody just kind of slowly turns to look at him, and he's got that wild-eyed look, and you're like, I ain't going to say nothing about it. Because uh, <laughs> he looks like he's still mad. He don't look like that made him feel any better. And so now Buddy looks at it, and now he's motivated. So Buddy starts running around, hitting the sheetrock with these big forearms, and just plastering everything and now you're seeing the plumbing and everything so now i'm getting madder now look at terry now he's mad at buddy so i'm glad he's mad at buddy and buddy can feel the eyes the daggers on him he turns around and out of nowhere just starts running does this big ass bump right through the coffee table and it just shatters and now he knows we're super mad and he looks at us and goes ah we never drank coffee anyway. <laughs> and then he takes the coffee table, what's left of it, and puts it in the fireplace and burns it in July. <laughs> First night in the apartment. Yeah, it was like Christmas Eve. We were all like, except sipping neg- eggnog, we were drinking Jack and the <laughs> fire was going. I think we burnt the end tables, the coffee table, anything that would burn. We had a, we had a heck of a fire. <laughs> and speaking of fires, you know... Uh, and you were just talking about the first time you guys had an apartment together, and I think maybe this was maybe prior when in Florida when I accidentally lost my mind and let you guys. Live that was my accidentally th- lost my mind. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, no, he did. This was after that, and we went to Minneapolis. Uh, no, we were in Florida. He offered us. He said, "You guys want to rent my house out?" And I looked at Buddy and Terry. And go, he's got to be kidding. He's <laughs> lived with us yeah. because, because I had lived with them, but I, you know, lost my mind and thought, well, you know, that they can stay there. Well, they nearly burnt that house down and threw the furniture into the pool. And that house actually was built by my dad years ago, and it had like a main house. It was like old style, and it had several apartments connected to it. That's where Joe Scarpa lived there. Uh, um, Jake the Snake lived there. Angelo Mosca lived there. Malenko lived there. Bruiser Brody lived there. 
Uh, John Studd lived there, and it was referred to as the Ivy Street Castle. It was kind of a bit of a shrine of a place, you know, and it was a cool place because it, it, until the birds came, it was so peaceful, but that's another story. <laughs> but, I mean, it goes, there was so much history in that house uh, for so many years, and I thought, well, you know, Michael and them, they need a place to live. They can live there. And No, you were thinking about getting another check. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> Gimme Jimmy. Yeah, that's what Buddy. <laughs> Gimme Jimmy. Yeah, that's Jimmy, nickname. Jimmy. Oh yeah, Gimme Jimmy. Yeah, Buddy used to call me that all the time. Yeah, because if I could get it for free, I mean, <laughs> first name free, last name Bird. Yeah, I would. <laughs> well, I free would. food, and free stuff is always yeah, good stuff, free, right? Yeah. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas. See? Already learning. Haha. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Let's talk about about the, about the, about the free bros, about, about Terry and, and Buddy. What were those guys like? I mean, obviously, the, the chemistry of the team, talker, worker, and would, would Buddy be kind of the glue that holds it together? And well, Jimmy yeah, as well? well? Buddy was kind of our fall guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people refer to him as the technician. He was very good in the ring. But... You know, what we try to do is a scattergun effect. You know, Michael would do the the talking bit. Everybody, Terry was just like, Jimmy said it a million times, God's gift to wrestling. Mm-hmm. He was just that good. I mean, his first match at 13 yeah. against Ernie Ladd. Um, 16, he's the Mississippi heavyweight champion and the best worker in the territory. He just, it was a natural. But we weren't clones. Everybody had their own personality. So we reached a lot bigger audience, whether that was we reached, you know, how much you despised us or how much you dug us. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, <laughs> back in the day, you, you asked my, could you play this music when we come out and turn down the house lights and twirl the spotlights? And I was accused of taking marijuana pills. <laughs> and I told the promoter, I said, um, no. I said, however, if you find them. <laughs> I said, send them to me. Yeah, let me know because that's that sounds a lot better than smoking it. Where um, did you get that idea to do that in the first place? Because this was you one. We're one of the first, yeah. if not the first. Uh, we were the first to do it on a consistent basis okay. and use rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gorgeous George way back in the forties. That was the second with uh, with the Don Healy sharp dressed man. Yep. When I debuted in Florida, Lakeland, Florida, with the original Precious. Which we probably won't get into that very much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> There's a couple of precious stories. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, Chris, when I put up the ring, 
You know, I've told this story a million times. When I put up the ring in Pensacola um, and when I would go to the matches and then go to rock concerts or even, you know, I went to a lot of R&B concerts, I'd see a lot of the same people there. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, there's, there's a marriage here. And the way guys came to the ring was so stale and, and dull. And the people that were running the industry at the time were stale and dull. Uh, and, you know, they, they weren't after a younger audience. And it just, the, the whole business, in my view, at that time, at a young age, was like, man, you're missing it. You need to modernize this thing. You need to make it hip. Mm-hmm. To come here, but you know what I, you know what I think was a big impact uh, in the success with the birds was the fact that uh, Triple H and um, Shawn Michaels had mentioned it on their induction was that they could like look at each other and kind of tell what the other one was thinking or what the other one wanted. I don't remember if you remember that induction mm-hmm. that they had and that came out, and that was the same with you and Terry and Buddy. You could go out there and just look. Yeah, it was just a look and or something. You, you, you could almost the there. Sure. You could almost that's 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 you can tell a good team when they can when when they just they're that connected that they they just but know. Also, what the, the creativity just to go back to what you're saying about the music because there is a lot of similarities between rock and roll and, and wrestling. There always has been. Yeah. You know, and especially when you use the pomp and circumstance of both to your advantage. I, I can't even envision guys coming to the ring with no music. Right. Like, how boring would that be? Just kind of walking out, you know, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it seems like it was a natural it was a natural fit. It was, but it just wasn't natural for the people that were in charge at the time to get it. Of course, once that barrier was broken, like most any time a barrier is broken, mm-hmm. then everybody jumps up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I always wanted to do that. Yeah, you and, eat one donut, then all of a sudden everybody wants a donut. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny, though? I, I was always reading the after magazines, as we call them, although Bill would never want you to call them that. But being growing up in Canada, like I said, I never saw the Freebirds. I saw Gorgeous Jimmy because you were with AWA. Never saw you guys. Just read about you, read about you. Then I finally was waiting to hear this song, Freebird. Because it was your theme. I remember calling the DJ in Winnipeg, can you play Freebird by Leonard Skinner? Because I wanted to hear the song. This is before iTunes or whatever. And when he finally did play it, I couldn't believe how slow it was. It takes a while to get into it. Would you guys walk into the ring from those slow original chords? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we came right right with the organ. And So uh, why would you choose that song and not like, you know, uh, that smell or something like that? Well, first of all, the creativity of the Freebirds was, one, I always... That song always spoke to me. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite song. And it spoke to me in the way that we're all free birds, or most of us, and because we have are free enough to have our own identity, free enough to have whatever drives us to do what we do be our motivation, and we don't have to be clones. And what makes you tick doesn't make me tick, and it doesn't have to. And we can both tick at the same time in the same zone in the same world. Um, and then I thought that name fit me and Terry, because me and Terry were first. And uh, and it took a while to talk Terry into it. And we would ride up and down the road, doing our little thing, <laughs> jamming out to one more from the road, the live version of Skinner. And I'd say, I'm telling you, we need to play this song going to the ring. It'd be, oh, hell, I don't know, Michael. I don't know about rock and roll and wrestling. And then, of course, he went into it. But um, it was just like the first night we did it was in Memphis, Tennessee against Lawler and Dundee. 
and uh, it was so funny. They had a janitor, and I forget what his name was, but they brought. He was like 60, 70 years old, and I, I had the record at the time. You just had to put it on the last song with the needle at the right groove. And I go, "Oh, this guy's never going to get this. We're going to come out to give me three steps, or Tuesday's gone. <laughs> Tuesday's right, right. Yeah, yeah, Simple man. <laughs> no way this is working. To his credit, and and I shut my mouth. He put it right on there. They twirled the spotlights, man. The whole place stood up. It really worked. It seemed now, like Memphis was a little bit ahead of the curve when it came Memphis to Memphis was stuff. always yeah. ahead of the curve. Jerry Jarrett and, and Jerry Lawler, for that matter, um, they always were willing to try new stuff. Mm-hmm. Because people have no idea what it was like, if you think back, how creative you had to be to run weekly clubs. Because you got a lot of the same people coming. Sure. So, you, you know, it's not like now where you could, hey, oh, this worked here. Well, let's do it over yeah. here. No, no, no. That would not work. You had to change your stuff up. You had right. to be on top of your game. And you had to be creative. Jimmy, how did you become an official Freebird, so to speak? We actually were working with PS and, and working. I'll tell you how that happened. Um, and, uh, Weren't you on vacation somewhere? Not, yeah, you? I quit. Well, actually, Patty quit first. We were working for Crockett. And um, then um, Crockett uh, bought, uh, Turner bought Crockett hmm. out. And... I always said, let me back up a little bit. I always I had a plan. You know, I, 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 I start turn pro when I was 17. I started flying when I was 19. I said when I was 26, I was going to retire at 40 and fly <laughs> airplanes and play golf. So this would have been like right around 88, 87, the Crockett buyout from Turner. They weren't really interested in my character or Patty. Uh, and it could have got a little political there because I really wasn't interested in them either, mm-hmm. so they probably felt that. So there wasn't like a great working relationship. So uh, we were in Richmond, Virginia towards the end, and she said, you know, she says, I'm, I'm going home because she was on the road with me for five years, and we had two children with a nanny at home, which happened to be my aunt. I have a God bless her soul. She was such an angel. She took care of the kids and us when we come home because Patty went to Japan with me and everything else, mm-hmm. and we traveled a lot. So she wanted to quit, and I said, you know what, I, 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 I want, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just kill this whole gimmick. You know, we'll just kill it. If they don't want to play, then we, so we took a year off. Went to St. Thomas, played around there, did something. I got on the phone with Michael, and Michael said, hey, you want to team up? Yeah. And I said, yeah, I was tired of being off you know, mm-hmm. for a year. And uh, I said, yeah. And it was in the, in the Crockett, uh, was it Crockett t- territory? Not no, the Crockett, it was a, a WCW. 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 It was WCW. That, remember, yeah, we did the Fort, Fort Bragg, Bragg yep. with Terry Gordy and me and you, and that's yeah. when the Oakleys came out and all this <laughs> stuff happened. And, and so that's kind of, he asked me, he says, hey, would you, what, you want to join us? You want to become was, official. And why, did you, official. and why did you have to call him? Was, um, well, because, first of all, he wasn't, uh, they had brought Terry back from Japan, mm-hmm. and they decided to put us back together without really discussing it with us. And right away, I, I knew, I said, no, you got to have a third third wheel here to make this thing work like it did with Buddy. And or, where was Buddy at the time? He's coming close. Buddy had retired. Gotcha. And he was, uh, you know, working uh, construction outside gotcha. of Chicago. He was he was done. Mm-hmm. You know, he could manage. And sometimes we'd bring him in a little bit for, for nothing else entertainment um, because Buddy Buddy would be a babyface if people would hate him. 
I mean, he, he, did, he just one of those guys. And he, I thought he was a consummate heel because if you didn't kill him, then he still had heat, and you, and you could never kill him. But and why uh, was that? Just his vibe? Oh, his, yeah, his vibe. Mm-hmm. You could just yeah, see he was just is a butthead. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, let me give you an example. We'd be riding down the road, and you make your stop. You know, at the at the convenience store, he would buy pickled pigs' feet. <laughs> Just to get the reaction that we would get by watching him eat him in the back seat. <laughs> and, and the smell. Yeah, and Buddy was the first one to introduce us in 1980 to the year of urination. Which is? Well, that would be, be careful when you have a road stop you to know, relieve when, yourself. You know, when you take, I don't mean Somebody to might miss the mark. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's, I was thinking about that too, and I was thinking, you know, I was thinking of Buddy, and I was thinking, I take my, I automatically, I thought when I take my dog for a walk or take him out in the backyard, <laughs> I mean, he pees on everything, and he pees like a lot of times, like he'll pee on this, this tree, then he'll go pee on this flower, then he'll go pee on this, and he'll go pee on that, and I'm going, how many times can a, a freaking dog pee? And I thought, you know, Buddy was, a, Buddy was the same because you never knew when you were going to get peed on. I was in bed one time at the Freebird house and I was laying there in bed and all of a sudden I'm waking up for God 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 bless me for do not forgive me for using him but the example but he, he must have made me open my eyes and I open my eyes and then Buddy's coming at me with his weapon and, and and he's peeing and he's peeing and all and I got myself covered up and he's peeing all over and was he I'm, like was he sleep peeing? No, he just wanted to pee on me. Oh, just, just good morning things. pee on you, you know? Or you'd be or you'd be in the shower after a match or something like that and you'd feel like warm all over your back but the shower and he's peeing all over your back he was like a dog he'd pee on anything he would pee on anything would he not oh no that's there's no exaggeration there but that's when he first started with me and terry we'd be coming back from new orleans to baton rouge we work new orleans every monday night and we'd stop for our little you know beer stop on the side of i-10 and he chases out into the interstate (laughs) and i mean because we were like no you can't pee on us so anyway we got tired of it Gee, yeah. After 15, 20 times, well, that was enough. No, and he, he never really got us, but he liked chasing us, mm-hmm. and he liked seeing the fear. So we're coming back from Alexandria. It's about 106 miles to Baton Rouge, where you're based out of six beers apiece. Buddy's in the back seat. We're ignoring him the whole time. We never make that stop. We get out of the cars. We pull up to the hotel. I get out. I'm driving. Terry gets out the passenger side. Buddy's getting out the back, getting his beer, and it's oblivious to everything. I give Terry the Iggy. We take that 106-mile, six-beer-a-piece relief all over Buddy. He never moves. He never sells it. He just stands there and takes it, and then he reverses the rib by wearing those clothes for two more days. Yeah. Bingo. That's the kind of guy Buddy was. Yeah. And he was the veteran, so he knew. Okay, yeah, he was I'll, the veteran. I'll just keep the clothes on. <laughs> but he he did have a he did have his own special talent in the ring. I mean, he was he was a tough. He could get it. He could get the job done. Like if you needed a if you needed a dirty job done, that was right up his alley. Or if you needed like if Mike was doing the talking and 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 Terry was bulldozing the house down. Uh, Buddy was stealing all the children and the dog and everybody else, and I mean, he he was just he would just do it. He I was mean, your go-to. He guy. had to have been really good because he was a smaller guy, yeah. and in that yeah. time frame, being small, you would never really get much of a push, right? Right. Well, Bill Watts put him with us because 
much to our dismay at the time. As a matter of fact, we said, well, no, you can't put them with us. There's only two free birds. That's all there is. You know, we're like 20, 21 years of old. So, you know, you're not going to tell us what to do. He said, well, either he's with you or you're out of here. Oh. Right in front of everybody. Yeah. Now you got to back up and punt and try to gracefully. Ex- and I went, well, i tell you what, you can't call him a free bird. And he goes, okay, we won't call him a free bird. Like, well, I got you back. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that's good. We got well, him. I showed yeah. you. Yeah, I showed you, right? And, yeah. and, and it, was the, it was the best thing ever happened. It was God sent because he was just, you know what? You'd come to the situation, well, you can't beat Michael. Mm-hmm. Well, you surely can't beat Terry. Well, you can beat Buddy. Yeah, <laughs> you can beat Buddy because as long as that sucker's still breathing, he, he don't lose <laughs> no heat. So, you know, that that was a, a learning lesson there. And once once he fit in, he fit in like the first trip, 220 miles from Jackson, Mississippi to Monroe. He knew we were hot. And it was a beer and shaving cream fight the whole time, <laughs> the whole way. And by that time, he was like, okay, he's in. He knew you were hot as in that you didn't want him there. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Well, well, see, Buddy started very young, too. Buddy had a, whoa, man, what a history he had. Like, Ivan Koloff. Johnny Valentine. Yeah, Johnny Valentine's another one. But Ivan Koloff helped break Buddy in. When Ivan, even before he was Ivan Koloff, he was Red Somebody uh, up in uh, Vancouver. That's where Buddy was from. Really? He was Canadian? Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. All right. And so, that explains the drinking. So Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so Buddy is training. He's working at a gym, had a hell of a body. And he's also doing this thing with a couple of his friends where he's the Black Terror. And he wears a ski mask, and they jump out of vans and beat people up on the streets of Vancouver. But just now, for the hell of it? Yeah, just for the hell of it. And so the, he, he shows up at the wrestling for a couple times with the mask on in the audience. Mm-hmm. So finally the promoter got him, and they brought him to the back, and they said, All right, kid. Take off the mask. And he goes, I've never been unmasked. I can't take my mask off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they finally made him take the mask off. He said, if you could have seen Ivan Koloff's face, he had no idea it was Buddy, right? Who's, who's this idiot in a ski mask? So he's quite the colorful character. And then how about Terry? Tell us a little about him. Well, Terry was a hell of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry was just a good, fun Hard driving redneck guy. Mm-hmm. He just really was, and he enjoyed life. He had a really good laugh. I t- I'll tell you something about Terry. Frankie Kane, the great Mephisto, good friend of ours, all yes. of ours, awesome talent. He was booking Mississippi. He liked both me and Terry. Terry was a good guy. I was a heel. I went with Athens. Sika took me to Germany for six weeks. I talked Frankie into turning Terry heel when I came back. And what you really didn't want to do, I don't know, he's my boy. He said, everybody loves him. I said, that's the point. I said, you've been doing this for two and a half years. You've got a lot of African-American baby faces here. I said, let us be those cocky and let me turn him. I said, he'll get heat for listening to me. It started to work. We went to Port Gibson, uh, Mississippi. The house was up. I used to, like, bring that old clicker that your mom would take to the grocery store. Yeah, like bouncers having a clicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, like, checking it out. Anyway, they come for the payoff, and uh, the guy was Gil Calkin, who I really liked. And his dad, I owed them for giving me a break. But the minimum was 40 and I still got 40 And I was like... And the house was up. And the house was up. Right. And I brought it up to him. And once again, in front of the boys, he goes, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. Well, there's the punk card. So I got to go. Terry, in the meantime, is married, got a baby on the way at the age of 17 or 18, and has like a nice three, $400 guarantee in 1978. 
That's per, not per match or per, per week? Per week. That's great, yeah. It was great at yeah. the time. So I know. I, I go sit out in his car waiting on him, and I go, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. That was a really good move. Why don't you shut up, you know? <laughs> and about 45 minutes later, he comes out, opens the door, closes it, looks at me, and goes, where are we going? Wow. I said, I said, what do you mean, where are we going? He goes, I told them, Michael, if they don't want you, then they ain't got me. Where the hell are we going, Michael? Mm-hmm. And that's the first time somebody ever stood up for me like that. And somebody showed me they trusted, believed in me, mm-hmm. and that bond never left. Yeah, that's your brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have this, any experiences with him, Jimmy, with Terry? He took him flying. He got Terry Gordy flying airplanes until he ran into the gas truck. <laughs> he was doing good until he hit the fuel truck. He almost, now, let me just say you're a, you're a pilot. Yes. Jimmy, you're a pilot, so yeah, just yeah. so people okay. Yeah, I've a commercial pilot. been with... Uh, with NetJets as a captain for 15 years and uh, flew commercial before that for Midway Airlines and U.S. Airways. And okay, so you took Terry with you? Well, Terry, when I, you know, when I was wrestling, you know, I would fly in Dallas to some of the towns, and Terry kind of liked that, you know. And so I got him hooked up with the instructor, and I'd talk to him about flying and, you know, kind of tell him, you know, the, the, and you got to keep in mind, Terry quit school in the 10th grade because he didn't like to read, gotcha. which is the main thing a pilot has to do. But I got him some books, you know, and I said, now sit down and read this book first, you know, and then that's going to explain, you know, how the wing works and all this. And he got into it and, and he took lessons and and uh, and then he hit that fuel truck and uh, he almost blew up Love Field. But that, but uh, <laughs> he hit the fuel truck with the plane. With the plane. Yeah. But it wasn't his fault, right? No, Steve the instructors. Horvath. Yes, yes. Steve Horvath was supposed to be watching the other side, but because Terry it's was Steve watching. Horvath's fault. Man. Yeah, yeah. Let's blame it on him yeah, because he ain't here anyway. <laughs> Who cares? And, and if he was, what's he going to do about it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he did fly, and um, and he loved flying and. And and he wasn't bad. I flew with him one time. I had no choice, and I was drunk, so, so it was kind of nice. It was a beautiful night. Yeah. You guys flew at low altitudes, right? Like yeah. seven, ten thousand feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you have a private plane that you would take from from match to match? Is that what, what you're saying? What here? I what wow. I do at that time here in Texas is I would rent uh, the planes and then t- and take them. And eventually, what I did when I knew I was getting close to my uh, 40th birthday. Uh, where when I was in the Carolinas, about five years, or four years, or five years before that, I had bought a 401 Cessna and flew that thing around the country, we, like the Great American Bashes. We would we would take off and do a loop like Charlotte, Norfolk, Richmond, D.C., uh, Detroit, you know, and work all the way around the country. So I would tell the I'd call the office and I'd say, well, I could take six guys, maybe seven, depends. Uh, how much are you going to pay for their trans, you know? And they'd give me a number, and I'd say, well, look, I'll do it for this, you know, and I'd undercut the trans number. So I was building, like, a bunch of hours. Guys loved to fly with me because it was like anything goes. It was like <laughs> it was like flying at the Playboy Club. <laughs> but you're building your hours. But though. I'm building hours. Give me Jimmy. Give me Jimmy. The airplane's you making, catch on quick. The airplane's making money. Give me Jimmy again. And um, and I when we doing everyone a favor. Everyone, everyone loves you. And everyone's having a great time. Um, I, we we had a great we had a great except time. Punky that one time when I was going to say get away I didn't from know. the wing. I don't I know told, how you tell that story. I don't know how to tell this story. <laughs> 
But I told, but we can tell it in a certain way. Let's, yeah, I, I guess let's just say when the engine got cranked up, everything got blown away. Yeah. Wow. Because well, okay. I told him, I says, because yeah. everybody's on board, you know. and, and Who's every, awesome? And, and everybody could have whatever they wanted, you know. I mean, I had to wear oxygen masks a lot of times because that's just the way that was. But I told Punky, I said, come on, bro, come on. And, he's, and he was out back by the door and. I said, okay, okay. And I, I <laughs> with guess his I, party favors. I, yeah, hey, yeah. with his party favors. And, man, I hit that start button on that left <laughs> engine. He came and, in the airplane. He was licking every part of his face that he could find. Because $800 just blew yeah, he away. Just, he just was <laughs> – I think he licked his face the whole trip. I don't know. but <laughs> Like a dog. Yeah, but he, that wasn't a good trip for him, that one. Now, both of you guys mentioned that you had a very brief period of time in the WWE here. Because that was – you guys were both at your peak. Freebirds in 84, Jimmy yeah. Garvin in 84. WWF was the place to go at the time it would seem that was like everyone was trying to get there well yeah um and Vince was taking everybody up it, it was a really i would say definitely a culture diff- a cultural difference mm-hmm. you know because we thought we were the stuff we thought we just proved we were the stuff you know how it is up here doesn't matter what you've done before you got to <laughs> prove it over again yes, sir. we were not mature enough at that time to do that and realize that um terry had just fallen in love uh, and for the first time, I think, ever, and he didn't want to be here anyway. Mm-hmm. And Buddy just, you know, and one day we just woke up and... Um, After you fell asleep in the meeting? You no, know, I... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had a meeting with Vince, and I fell asleep at that. Um, <laughs> that that probably didn't set the tone, right? You can't just, I had to throw that just, out there. Yeah, you can't just, like... He was going to blow by that if yeah, you yeah, so you're having well, a, I got one better than that. The first night, Andre is the road agent. At a town, Andre the Giant, Andre was a the road Giant. agent, yeah, who helped us kind of get in here because I used to be buddies with him. You're when kidding he, me? Yeah, come to. Well, he was going to run the town. Okay, he was on the card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, for some reason, I thought we were off that day, mm-hmm. and we're in Ohio. I don't know why I'd be off in Ohio, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm drinking beer and stuff, and then I, I just casually look over. I said, "Where are we going?" And Terry said, well, we're almost there. I said, well, where's that? He goes, to work. Work! <laughs> I can't go to work! <laughs> so, you know, I stumbled, and Buddy and Terry helped me down the steps, and we get in the dressing room, and Andre's there playing cards and drinking his wine, and he looks, he drunk. <laughs> and just like a comedy show, Terry and Buddy let go of me. They go, no, he's not. Bam! <laughs> right over the bench and everything. And then I, then me, I, you know, I call Vince the next day to tell him about it. Nobody told him, so I stooged on my <laughs> Self, and uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did not. And then you decided to take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it took me eleven years to get back here, and then boy, did he get back at me! Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the, the same thing happened with Sean and Marty when they first came in. Sean told the story where yeah. you know like, those, those nice boots, those boots are made for walking. Kid, get the hell out of here after like a week, and it took him. Pat had to fight for him for years to get him back. Yeah. So once Vince had the impression of the Freebirds, yeah, and you that, were, that was you were it. done. That's when, and boy, I tell you what, what you saw was what you got. Hmm. I mean, we just we really didn't care. And what? And what? Uh, well, I tell you what, we didn't care, Chris. We we cared enough to put our bodies on the line every night, and we cared enough to want to give people more than their money's worth from who bought a ticket because every one of us was a fan. Mm-hmm. Every one of us had to scrape and mow yards or do whatever to go see the wrestling show. Um, so it was important to us. And when we would draw really big, uh, that was important to us to give them even a bigger show. But you know, it just. Uh, 
it, it was just a situation where we weren't businessmen enough to do that, and we weren't going to be. We were going to do things our way because it worked for us. Well, I'm sure there's a little bit of a transition period, too, like when the new boss comes in or the new principal where you're like, yeah, he's just like Watts or he's just like, you know, you know, Stu Hart or whatever. And then you realize that Vince is not like anybody else. It's a serious business. And those old school, you know, screwing around isn't going to isn't going to fly anymore. Yeah, it doesn't fly anymore. You know, and you, you had a short run there as well, Jimmy. We have very short, like a week. You were Humperdinck? No, no, no. You know what happened to me? I was. How with, do you get a week? Oh, well, here, oh that, that's what I. Well, yeah, that's what you, I said. That's what I said to myself. But honestly and truly, I, I I was flying for NetJets at the time, and I would fly seven days, and I was off seven days, mm-hmm. and then I would have four vacations a year. Is this when I brought you up here? Yeah, to, to the writing and the producing. Yeah. So I'd have four vacations a well, year. Well, okay, what happened was I got the head writing job on SmackDown, but I didn't want to leave Raw in the lurch. And Vince kept asking me, like, do, do you think Buddy would want to do this? And I said, I really don't think that's, that's Buddy's cup of tea. Or, well, how about you know anybody else? And I said, I don't think Jimmy's going to want to do this. He's, he's locked in. I mean, he's got a good gig. He loves flying. So I called him up one day, and I said, hey, Vince wanted me to ask you. I know you don't want to do this, but would you consider doing this? And and I said, well, you know, I thought about it for about a second, and then I and then I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I put I put together a pretty good. Uh, you remember that production yeah. thing? I put together a, a pretty good package, mm-hmm. you know, to to show that I was I just didn't come out from underneath a rock. Right. But the thing was, I had it so good, and still have it very good at NetJets, where I had four segments a year of 21 days off each segment. Right, gotcha. I was only working four months out of the year, and I was heavy union. And I had a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, I was a captain. I had a lot of seniority. I mean, it, I, mean I, I, it, I had it made. You had a good gig, right. I had a good gig, and, and I couldn't get fired. I mean, hmm. you just couldn't fire me. I mean, I'd, I'd have to do something really terrible to get fired, and I probably would get my job back anyway because, like I say, it's a union thing. Mm-hmm. Well, when I came up here, I thought, well, this might work out, you know, and then I, then I got up here, and then, and I'll tell you what did it, <laughs> is when I was up here, and, of course, I thought I was going to work with Michael because Michael and I work well together, but I, I, I turned out I wasn't, and I was working with these people I didn't really know, and then lunchtime came, and it's like we all got in a line, and we walked up, up to the cafeteria like a bunch of ducks, and and I'm thinking oh, this 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 is this is feeling too good, you know. I feel like a duck. I'm going to have lunch. I'm going to go back down, and then I'm this, and I'm in my hotel room, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got all my bags with me. I'm going to some of the shows. I'm really not catching on. It, you know, I wasn't here. This long. was as a writer. This was as You're like a, be a writer. writer. Yeah, yeah, right. Writer producer. Writer producer. Gotcha. You know, and and to be honest with you. I just couldn't get my hands wrapped around it because I was. Here's what I really. I'm not going to beat around the bush too much because I liked what I was. I would have liked it later if I didn't have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. But the thought in the back of my head was, the first time that Vince gets up and he's in a bad mood, or the first time that I do something that maybe he don't like, I'm gone. Mm. Well, I can go back over here to this other place. And I can pretty much do anything I want, work four months out of the year, and do pretty sure. good. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have to worry about nobody saying, "Hey, guess what? Get that you know these boots are made for walking" type <laughs> yeah. of thing. I just didn't feel like at my stage of my life, and which I was older, you know, and, and I had a lot of catching up to do because 
I was really old school. Sure, of course. I quit in '92. This would have been in this would have been in like early 2005 mm-hmm. yeah. or something like that. So a lot I mean, of water I, under the bridge. You know, a lot, you know I mean, I, I yeah, was really behind the so curve. Tsunami. You know? yeah. I, mean, I walked into the, the WWE facility, going, "What? What's this?" You know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, we were supposed to go to LA on Saturday, and um, uh, and 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 I and, uh, and um, I called up uh, Stephanie and said, uh, "I'm going home. I'm mm-hmm. just going home." Vince called me later and he says, he says Jim, you really th- I think you're, you really didn't give it enough time. You know, he was really nice about it, you know, and, and all that. But I just, I couldn't leave the security sure. that I had. For the unknown of the, the unknown of, again. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And I was having a blast doing what, right, I, right. what I was doing. But. The question I was going to ask you earlier, P.S., was when you're talking about having the three of you guys. Because the, 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 the term is the Freebird Rule. New right. Day uses it, the Freebird Rule. And right. a lot of the gangs use it where... Two, there's a tag team championship, but any two of the three can can defend it. Right. How did you come up with that, or how did well, that? Well, actually, um, I did not come up with it. How, how did it come up? Yeah. Uh, Ole Anderson, hmm. who's a big fan of mine. <laughs> I'm sure he's a big fan of uh, yeah. pretty much nobody, right? Yeah, and, and I love him too. Um, only when he took us from Watch to uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, and we were easy to take because I was so paranoid about uh, somebody else playing music first on mm. a national level. And after we started it and brought it to Mid-South, then Junkyard Dog did it, then slowly Ted DiBiase did it, and I was like, man, we have to get there. And we did. But it was Oli's idea to, uh, hey, what about if any of you guys, any two of you can defend it and your opponents don't know who it's going to be until the bell rings. Mm. And back then in 1980, that was a great strategy. Right. You know, you know what I well, mean? Well, sure, yeah, because it never been seen before. Right. To the point where now New Day is in- inducting you guys into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Is that one of the reasons because of that, or, or how did that come about? Is that your choice? You know what? It wasn't our choice. I don't think we had a choice. Um, I think, you know, the decision is made a lot of times to involve current talent mm-hmm. with older talent. Sure. We, I have no problem with the choice whatsoever. I, I think it's the perfect choice. I think we may have a little surprise for everybody <laughs> yeah. besides that. Um, but uh, those guys are good. And, and I, you know what's good about them is they work hard at it. Hard work will always get you results. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I know some people like that. Well, I want to be like New Day. Well, or do you work like New Day? Because mm-hmm. those guys, you see them off in the corner rehearsing their stuff, getting it down amongst themselves. Not to make, and that's how they got the them. gimmick over because yeah. they, no one th- thought it was going to work. Right? You know, all that. Well, stuff. it just, didn't work at first. That's right. They kept at it. Yes. They kept at the work. You they know, kept at, and that's what I'm saying. Hard work will always have great results. If you're going to talk, you have to have the microphone in your hand. <laughs> just one of those things that happens. I was just back. sitting here listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, just a, a few, a few more things. What do you think uh, would Terry and Buddy would think about getting to the Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame? Um. I think that first of all, they'd, they'd be tickled. They'd mm-hmm. be really happy about it. Um, I like, think Buddy would get in trouble. Yeah, but Buddy would <laughs> somehow. Yeah, he'd pee on somebody. Something <laughs> would happen bad. Yeah, but they would be happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Buddy would be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they would. I think they'd be. I think they'd be. Yeah. They'd be. They'd be happy. They, they, I think know. they are happy. Yeah, mm. they're happy. They're. They're. they're Their happy. presence would be felt. Yeah, they play ribs on me all the time. In what way? Well, like the day that Buddy died, um, the next day I just couldn't take it. Go to work. I handled it pretty good all day, and I knew it was coming. I knew that like the last time I saw him when I went to the hospital there in uh, 
God dog, I can't miss that little town outside of Chicago. Anyway, um, it's over in Indiana. I think it's Moline. Hammond. No. Hammond. Yeah. Um, when I went to leave, he just stuck out his arms for a hug. Mm-hmm. And when I hugged him, I knew it. And he knew it. Uh, you know. Didn't he have the, the throat? Yeah. The talking thing from throat, throat yeah. cancer? Yeah. And then he Hello, how are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he had a back operation that... Uh, that he never seemed to recover from that. You know, the next couple of years were downhill. But anyway, um, you know, so the next day I, I was just a mess. So I wanted to go um, home. So I go to the airport, and now they tell me the flights are full from Shreveport to Atlanta. However, there is a flight in Monroe, which is 100 miles down, and you can get that. So now I've got to haul ass, go over the rental car. I get the rental car. I haul ass down I-20. I pull up there. I check in to Delta. And as I'm checking in, and she's giving me my, and I just made it, and she's giving me my boarding pass and all. She goes, sir, can I ask you something? You said you came all the way from Shreveport. I said, yeah. She goes, you know, there was room on a flight from Shreveport. <laughs> and I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> and there's stuff like with Terry. There's a ring that uh, his ex-wife gave me. It says Bam Bam on it. I have literally, like, lost that ring on an airplane, went back, had them check, ass lost and found, nobody could find it, and that ring would end up in my house at another time. Unbelievable, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. No, I it believe it. Because I was high or <laughs> yeah. something like that. I'm just telling you, just weird stuff like that happens, and I just attributed it to them playing good ribs. Yeah. But, but it's hard. I mean, I know what it's like of losing your two best friends in the business that happened to me, too. Right. And, and, you know, it's a terrible feeling, and no one will ever understand the things you went through or the times that you had together. You can talk about it, but you don't have those guys around. It's, it's, it's a shitty well, thing, the, you know? The, the, they're your road wives. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Brothers, family, road yeah, wife. everything. You know, you know co-workers. Just, yeah, it's just you, you rely on people so much when you're on the road together a lot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, you know, nowadays I don't think that so much happens. Mm-hmm. It's a little different. Guys then, it was like, well, you were traveling with everybody, you were staying yeah. together, staying in each other's houses, like you said. And you would feed like each other. You'd feed each other's families, literally. Your performance depended upon how good he and his family ate. Mm-hmm. If you weren't you know, hitting on all cylinders, and then the act started to go south, might have to get a new partner or something. You know, you know what I yeah. mean? There was a big role of dependency and responsibility back in that day. More mm. unity or something. More unity. Yeah. I mm. think more people cared about each other a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think... The world is um, quite into that as much anymore. Everybody feels either enabled or they are enabled. And they're given a lot of stuff without having to earn it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about the people in this industry or something. There's uh, The athletes are a million times better mm-hmm. than, than what we were. Sure, yeah. But, but, but they don't have those life experiences that make you different enough for people to spend their hard-earned money to come out and see you. There's a great. Uh, we were looking at. You were showing me some merch designs for the Freebirds, and there was one of them. I don't know if you guys, if you guys are using it or not, but it was the four of you together, and it looked like a like a rock band, like right. a southern rock band. And you guys were a band, you know. And that doesn't happen. You don't have that that you know going up and down the road for years and years touring the world together like a band does. Right. Which I always thought like, the Freebirds are like a southern rock band. Well, yeah, we were the greatest band in the world. <laughs> <laughs> was we we actually had the idea to do what you've actually done. Yeah. We talked a good tour up. Oh man, and we'd go out in clubs. Yeah, yeah, we at were, night. We talked to the owners. Man, we're coming back here. Yeah, yeah. we just left Germany. 
<laughs> we were on a world tour. <laughs> we get a day off. Hell no, I ain't going on tour. I'm staying home. <laughs> I remember one time we was in East St. Louis and Michael decided he was going to sing. And oh my gosh. The band, just on the street or in a club? In a club. Okay. We was in a club and... He may he almost made it to the stage. Oh, that's when I fell through the drum kit. Yeah, he <laughs> fell through the bass drum. <laughs> and then there was another time we was in. Uh, so Tiger that Land. didn't work out too good. We were in Tigerland, Baton Rouge, LSU. <clears throat> okay, yeah, yeah. At a social club, and <laughs> oh my gosh! And it's if he could just picture a big long bar, wooden bar, Louisiana type place, um, full of young kids and you know from from university and. And uh, Jaeger and everything else flowing, and anytime that happened, if there was anything higher than the floor, Michael would get up on it and perform. So he <laughs> decided he was going to get up onto the bar, and he was going to moonwalk. Which, he, he, I mean, he moonwalked better than Michael Jackson. He was going to moonwalk the length of the bar for the show, and I'm and and, and he started moonwalking, the, and people were trying to move their drinks, and the rest of them, he just kicked them over. And I happened to look up, and there was a fan, and it was pulling the RPMs of like a P-51 fighter. I'm not talking about just a little circular thing. I'm talking about one that's generating some friggin' velocity. So I poked this guy next to me. I forgot who it was. I said, check this out. And he did about two more moonwalks. Yeah, don't warn me. <laughs> I look, and he did about two more moonwalks, and then he hit the back of that fan in with his head. It splintered and went apart. It, it, it's off balance, wood everywhere. He dropped to one knee like Elvis coming on stage because he was half out on his feet, you know. But he never dropped his drink, and he kind of staggered a little bit, and he got back up. And somehow he kind of slid off the bar back into a chair. But that fan, they had to cut the power to it because it splintered, so it was off balance. But I had never seen a human... It's just like walking into the propeller of like a, right. a beach Like Indiana Jones where the guy walks in the yeah, propeller. Yeah. He moonwalked his head right into the back of that. that um, yeah, appreciate the heads up. Yeah. 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 Right, right. Uh, last question for both of you guys. What's, what's your favorite Freebird match that you were ever involved in, if you had to pick one? Does one come to mind? Well, I, I, I guess there's probably different ones for each of us. You know, mm-hmm. obviously the one that I referred to earlier with Fritz von Erich. Um, when he came out of retirement for me, buddy, and Terry, that was that's the one. But if you're talking about me, buddy, I mean me, Jimmy, and Terry, I would have to say, and I don't know if you remember this one, we did a round of American bashes with Steiners and Dr. Death. And you were taking a bump whether you wanted to or not, okay? <laughs> with but, any one of those three. And, and Scotty had just came up, you know what I mean? So he he was new, but that's when he broke out the Frankensteiner and nobody had seen it. Super athletic and, at that and, point. And yeah. we had this spot that we did with him where he would catch you in like, mm-hmm. oh, almost like up on your shoulders, kind of like the Cena AA position. Mm-hmm. And then he would go backwards and kind of give you a fall away, but he would bridge on his neck. And Oh, just, wow. Yeah, he had to quit doing it after a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. But what we would do, Jimmy would take it first, I'd feed in, I'd take it, Terry would come in, cut him off, shoot, reverse, and he'd give it to Terry, and it would blow the place up like I mean, sometimes we'd come off the top rope that way, and he'd catch us and oh, keep going. Well, what about the, the, the one behind the, 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 the tiger suplex or something? Like, oh, <laughs> you just, you were going. Yeah, you had no choice of those you guys. You had no choice. Yeah, they'd be laughing at I you mean, all the way. When he was that young, he was, ooh. Yeah. And, and Rick Steiner, <laughs> forget about with Dr. Death. You, you see this one right here? Oh, yeah. that's a scar yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving night. 
in uh, Houston. I'm working with Doc in a cage. I go to give him a hip toss early on. I trip, and I fall on his head, and I knock him out. <laughs> and I go, oh, my God, because this will not turn out well for me. And it didn't. We had the big old blue cage, and I, I met that thing a number of times. <laughs> How about you, Jimmy? Uh, the Steiners and Dr. Death with uh, Michael and I. Also, we used to have good matches with, um, what was the cowboy? You know, the young boys? Oh, the uh, – uh, Tracy Smothers and uh, oh, uh, Scotty Armstrong. Steve Armstrong, yeah, yeah. Um, the pistols, young pistols, pistols. Young, pistols. young pistols. We had the young boys, well, yeah, and, and Ricky and Robert were a and, night off. Yeah, we had good matches. With what a great them. team they were! Man. Oh my God, such they a were, great they team. Were, they were awesome. See, that's one thing. I, I you know, I, I put this on Twitter one time. It's a shame the way the setup is. Is like right now, only like one tag team goes in a year mm-hmm. because. There's so many deserving oh God, tag yeah. teams to be in this Hall of Fame. I mean, that you could just name. I mean, the British Bulldogs, the Heart Foundation, Midnight Ricky Express, and Robert, Midnight Robert, Express. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, and we're leaving out a bunch. Yeah, and Tully and Arn. If, if we still do it one year at a time, and I understand you got to save, so you got something else to go to. But some of these guys ain't going to be here. Yeah, and they're not going to get that last no, hurrah. I agree. And that's what that's one thing I mentioned earlier about the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I don't like the fact that every year, uh, a, a you know, a, a, a woman has to, a diva, whatever we're calling them, or, or or this or that. It's like it shouldn't be that way. You know, if if if, it's, if 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 a diva goes in every year, pretty soon every diva will be in, and Ricky and Robert still won't be. It should be based on who's deserving of it the most, according to who's on the roster. I would think you would think so, but the other side of that coin is the politically correctness that. I understand. That needs yeah. to be done yeah. to survive in corporate America. You're right. Is not to be believed. I mean, yeah. you brought it up. There are some people that are in the Hall of Fame, and God bless them for being in the Hall of Fame, but there's definitely people that are not in sure, that we... might have had a better career than they did. Like, let, let's talk about Bruiser Brody. He's probably not going to get in. If he didn't get in here in Texas, great, he's probably great not going to get in. And, dude. He should yeah, be there. Great point. Yeah. Ray Stevens last year in, in Ray San Jose. Ray Stevens in San Francisco. How do you right. not have a Ray Stevens? You know, he almost shot me one time. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, well, my point is is we're all agreeing. Like, like I said, anybody that's ever put on the boots, I respect them. And, and I have nothing but, but, but good feelings. And I'm glad everyone's going in. But there are certain teams or guys that should be in. And girls. And girls, absolutely. And girls as well, you know. Yeah. And, and you know what else? There's probably some, uh, uh, let me see, say this politically correct, uh, smaller people that aren't in that should L- be in. Little people? Yeah. Yeah, sure. You know? Lord Littlebrook and those type oh of guys. Oh, my God, yeah. he was amazing. Midget? L- L- little t- <laughs> <laughs> Little Tokyo. I don't know if you ever Yeah, got... totally. Oh, yeah. dude, he could tear it yeah, up. absolutely. And those guys could drink a lot, too. Oh, man. We had Farmer Pete, and that guy could drink anybody to the table. He's always angry. Yeah. <laughs> He's just an angry guy. Little Beaver. Yeah, That's Little Beaver. Back too. That's another one, yeah. What, uh, what do you miss most about, about uh, Terry and... And, 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 um, and Buddy? And Buddy, yeah. Just, uh, just their friendship and... The connection of talking to Buddy on the phone was always fun because he was always telling me something was wrong, either with the mailbox or he had the, <laughs> the TV and he was going to beat it up or something like that or something wasn't right. We just just the fr- the friendship, the friendship, the the brotherhood, and the closeness that we all had is deeply missed. Camaraderie. Yeah, the the we were just so we were just so we were we were brothers. Mm-hmm. How about you, Mike? 
Yeah, probably about the same. Um, I miss getting together because you know everybody went their separate ways, but we would always get together. We would used to, we used to have these. Uh, we call them fabulous freebird hot fun in the summertime golf classic, and we would we would just there's a, a course um, that we would go play and we would just act up. Zabisco would always play along and always win the damn tournament, and then we would Buddy would steal the trophy, and but it was just the fact that when we would all get back together and hadn't been together in a while, you would just feel that bond. And we'd have our families with us. We'd have our families with us. It was. It was a real deal, and, and, and I miss that. But we'll, we'll, we'll see him again. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see him again. It's going to be a great night. Fabulous Freebirds in the Hall of Fame, and you guys deserve it. Congratulations. Thanks, well, thank Chris. you very thank much. Thank you for having us. Thanks, thank guys. You. Thank you. Hey, thanks to Michael PSAs and Jimmy Jam Garvin. Gimme Jimmy for taking the time. Uh, we had such a hectic schedule over WrestleMania weekend, and they came right to my room right on time and squeezed it in for an hour and, and uh, enjoyed the laughs that we had, and there was plenty of them. Never met Jimmy Garvin before. Just saw him with uh, his valet, Precious, and they were uh, chanting, show your tits, like I said. And my dad, uh, if you can't beat him, join him, son. So I'm glad I got to join the Freebirds for a couple hours, uh, for you know one hour, whatever it was, and hear some great stories. And congratulations to both the Freebirds uh, uh, for the WWE Hall of Fame induction. They stole the show. Michael Hayes was hilarious. you got to see it. He ends up doing a... Uh, version of Bad Street USA through the crowd. So there you go. Do yourself a favor and go watch a couple of classic Freebird versus Von Eric matches on YouTube if you haven't done that already. Uh, and a big thanks to you guys for listening twice a week to this show. And thanks for subscribing on iTunes and getting all your friends to subscribe and leave five-star ratings and comments for us. Okay? And I want to thank you once again for doing that because it helps this show. The more you support it, the more you uh, the more you uh, tell your friends and, and give the five five-star ratings, the higher up on the charts we get. And also, uh, thanks for supporting my sponsors, including Amazon. They've been with this, with this show since the very first episode. It's the easiest way to support Talk is Jericho. You get just about anything you can think of on Amazon. And all you Talk is Jericho, Amazon Warriors, I want you to send me a picture of what you bought on Amazon. I will share it. Uh, I will uh, retweet it on the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho, and I will follow you as well. Anything you buy, post it on there. And don't forget, you use those TIJ links to get to Amazon. You can find those links by going to podcast1.com. Click on the killer deals button in the top right corner of the page then hit the talk is jericho button i got those links for usa uk canada a every time you use the talk is jericho amazon link uh, amazon links amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs no hidden fees or extra charges you buy whatever you want on amazon and it's at the best price so thanks uh, for checking them out and check out the other sponsors as well ddp yoga and the ddp yoga now app Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app. This really works. I'm telling you right now, um, check it out. It's why I was able to have one of the best matches uh, on the show at WrestleMania, the best match on the show Monday night, the best match on the show on SmackDown. I'm on, I'm on, a, on a roll, man. And a lot of that is thanks to DDP Yoga. Uh, thanks to True Car as well, Geico. Uh, and thanks to you most importantly for listening keep listening for the 60 second ap headlines coming up next uh, and i appreciate uh, all of the love and affection you're giving me and next uh, wednesday one of my favorite comedians uh it, he's been doing it for years went straight to las vegas into his inner sanctum dressing room and got to hang out with carrot top he's going to be here hilarious guy great stories uh, great conversation you're not going to want to miss it and you're not going to want to miss uh, my review of the rock and roll hall of fame yes wise cousin chad and i are going back this year to see deep purple get inducted cheap trick steve miller band uh if yoko on is there i will follow her into the bathroom and see if i can hear her pee again uh, if i'm lucky enough to do that 
but thank you so much, guys. I love you. We'll see you next week. Uh, stay hard, stay cool, stay hungry, and a big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.